Chapter 1 A wonderful hot July evening, Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis is my home. It always will be no matter where I live. In the South, we have a tendency to be possessive of our hometowns. A Memphis girl can marry a Birmingham boy, raise her family there, and live out the rest of her days in Alabama. But when her obituary runs in the Birmingham Post-Herald, it will still claim Memphis as her home. The only other place I'd spent any time at all was Oxford, Mississippi. Going to college at Old Miss was more like a four-and-a-half-year vacation, according to Daddy. But the point is, I had no desire to ever leave my home again. I was perfectly happy. Memphis gives me a peaceful feeling just thinking about it. Downtown sits way up on a bluff overlooking the Mississippi. The city itself is as flat as a pancake, which makes it the most beautiful place in the world to watch the sunset. Pinks, reds, yellows, and oranges streak the sky, and you can watch the entire fireball melt into the cotton fields of Arkansas right across the river. When you drive down parts of Poplar Avenue with the windows rolled down and smell barbecue cooking, it's impossible not to turn into Corky's or Little Pigs for a sandwich. Daddy would order his White Pigs Strictly Lean. I order mine the same way all because of him. If you come to Memphis, it would be well worth your while to visit in the springtime. Azaleas and dogwoods color the town white, pink, and red as far as the eye can see. It's nice and warm, with the temperature hovering between 75 and 85 degrees. I know people say the summer is sweltering, but it never bothers me. Probably our biggest brag is Elvis. Everybody over the age of 30 has some sort of an Elvis story, whether it's driving by Graceland and seeing him in his front yard, or knowing somebody who knew one of his stepbrothers personally, or even still, knowing someone who went to his doctor, Dr. Nick. Elvis drove a truck for Daddy once before he was famous. That's our claim to Elvis fame. I fell in love with a Memphis boy when I was 16 years old and married him eight years later. I first had a huge crush on him way back in the 10th grade. Baker Satterfield hardly knew I was on this earth until my bosoms finally popped out our senior year in high school. I went from an A cup to a D cup in nine months. No wonder I attracted his attention. At our graduation party, Baker spent most of the evening trying to flirt with me. He ignored his date and threw popcorn at me and pinched my butt very sneakily every chance he could. But too bad for him. I had a date with one of his best friends, Jimmy Hudson. Jimmy Hudson didn't ignore me, and I certainly didn't ignore him. When we weren't talking or slow dancing, we were making out. I'd have one eye shut and the other slightly open trying to see if Baker was watching us. Without fail, he'd be boring a hole right in our direction so I'd lay it on extra thick. I'd start giggling at whatever Jimmy said and run my hands through his hair or kiss him playfully on the neck. You should have seen the way I gloated when I got home that night, just thinking about finally having one up on Baker Satterfield. It served him right for overlooking me just because my chest was flat. Baker told me later that he spent four frustrating years at the University of Tennessee dreaming about my newly blossomed bosoms. We met up again after college graduation, and two years later his dreams were nestled right next to him every night in Memphis. As far as I was concerned, they could stay nestled that way forever. But when Baker decided to chase another dream, my life was transformed almost overnight from an unswerving line into a collision course at the Indy 500.
The evening Baker shared his new dream with me occupies a permanent place in my memory. He was in a terrific mood, like he'd just hit a hole-in-one on the back nine at the country club with all his buddies watching. He was whistling and snapping his fingers and sliding his loafers across the kitchen floor as he helped me clear the dinner table. Normally he would have had the remote control in his hand by this time, flipping through the channels for any show remotely connected to sports. He never actually sat down to watch until the kitchen was clean. He'd stand in front of the TV like he was pausing just to get the score. I'll be right there, honey. Hold on, score's up next, he'd shout from the den. But I always knew what he was doing. I was an all-sports widow. What really gets me is there's never a break from sports. In the summer, it's baseball, which slides into fall, overlapped by football, which passes into basketball before anyone has a chance to breathe. Football and basketball run...